Everyone welcome our new sponsor, Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the premier source for legal THC and mushroom products. The team at Diet Smoke sent us gummies to enjoy while we horror and chill. My favorite are the Great Sleep Gummies. And mine are the Cherry Lime Gummies. With a wide range of strengths and doses, Diet Smoke promises to find the perfect product for you. Whether you want something strong to unwind, a boost of energy to keep you going, or a lighter option for a mellow high, Diet Smoke has you covered. They understand everyone is different, which is why they're dedicated to helping you find the perfect product. Their customer service team will be by your side helping you along the way. Diet Smoke has cannabis gummies, shots, and vapes, each one made to deliver the best balance of flavor and effect. So don't settle for less and join the Diet Smoke community and discover the buzz for you. Visit dietsmoke.com today and use code DFWTO for 50% off any item and enjoy your journey to cannabis bliss. Diet Smoke, your partner in finding the perfect THC and mushroom products. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, it's Casper. And Becky. From the DFWTO podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, you know how much mental health means to us. Mental health actually plays a role in many horror films, especially the final girl subgenre. Whether it's Nancy facing her nightmares and defeating Freddy, or Sydney taking out Ghostface to overcome the trauma of and avenge her mother's death. Not only are horror movies a huge comfort to Casper and I, so is putting our mental health first. And if you agree and you're searching for professional services, let BetterHelp be your guide. BetterHelp will connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you start your journey of self-awareness and discovery. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be flexible and convenient for any type of schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get yourself matched up with a licensed therapist and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Just like the final girls that triumph over evil, triumph over your trauma with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com DFWTO and save 10% off your first month when you sign up today. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DFWTO. And remember guys, don't fuck with the original. Now let's get into the episode. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. And I'm your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays are for podcast. Yes. And we have a very special episode tonight in honor of uh, Black History Month. Um, We're rounding out the month with, I think, one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. And it was definitely worth the wait. The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster, a new modern take on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which we're going to get into all of that stuff in the podcast as far as like the original Frankenstein and everything and Mary Shelley. Um, But I want to start off by saying this movie was heavy. It needed to be heavy. It had a very, very, very important message. It was Candy Make. It was Candyman Remake. all over again which again everybody go back and watch that if you haven't seen it in a while or haven't seen it yet go watch it it it's amazing and everything that was in that movie needed to be in this movie and that's exactly what happened with 
the angry girl and her monster. Um, and I just want to touch real quick before we get into the episode about, especially with this being the end of Black History Month and me being a a Black woman who loves film and cinema and everything that goes into it. Also, the cinematography and wow. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the name of the cinematographer and the writer director uh, when we go into this episode and praise the hell out of them because ma chef's kiss brilliant amazing everything ten out of ten yes queen all of it snap snap all of it but real quick with this being Black History Month and me being a black woman who loves film I just saw earlier today that they are remaking Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and which that is a classic amazing movie. Uh, love Christina Applegate. The best one-liners ever have come from that movie. I'm right on top of that, Rose. Um, love it. I used to say that almost on a daily basis when I worked in an office. I love that movie. But this movie, the only difference I saw was that they kept the old white grandma babysitter, but made it a black family. And... I just want to say with Black History Month, being a black woman and going into this movie, I am sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of this. And I think everybody needs to get on Paramount Plus, get the free trial or whatever you got to do and watch the South Park into the Pandaverse episode. Stop pandering us. Stop doing this. I don't know how much more loud and clear black audiences can tell you that this ain't it. This is not it. We don't want this. This is not what we want. You're you're playing. You're playing with us. Okay? You're you're using black people as a commodity in these remakes. Because you think that this is going to make it more relatable to a new generation audience by literally giving the same fucking story and making it a black family. Nobody wants this. I saw the trailer on a page that I follow that um, I'll have to find his Instagram handle because shout out to this kid. He is, I love his film, his film reviews and everything. But like, I literally put in the comments, hard pass. Like, absolutely not. And we, we've talked about remakes and reboots and all that. If it's relative to the story and we need it to happen, I will always give them a, sh I will always give them a chance. But if you're purely making it for profit, Nobody wants this except the studios that want to make their money back because you don't care. You've shown us time and time again that you don't care. And that's why we have bomb stories like the man that I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, like the man who, who wrote and directed Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. This is why we have Jordan Peele. This is why we have the beautiful, I think it was uh, Nicola Costa. I'll correct that as well, who directed Candyman. This is why we have... Uh, Nia DaCosta. I apologize. Nia DaCosta. This is why we have them now, because we are sick of your shit. Black people can write black stories and make them amazing and profitable to everybody. We don't need you. We don't need your bullshit. We don't need your pandering. Stop doing this. And I hope that I hope it tanks. I hope it fucking tanks. I hope all of these remakes that you keep doing where you keep pandering to black to black people, especially when when we don't want this. And I don't know how much louder and clearer we can tell you we don't want this. But I hope 
I hope it fucking tanks. And it's rare that I ever say that, but I really do. Because nobody wants this except you who wants to make money. That's all you want. You don't care. You don't care about us. You've made that loud and clear I don't know how many fucking times. So respectfully, sorry not sorry, fucking stop. I feel like it has a lot. I feel like it has a lot to do with. Anyway, that's all I have to say before we get into this. Because I'm, I'm just. Oh, also, this Black History Month has just not been Black History Month thing. So, and that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother topic. But like, it's a lot to do with the fact that February seemed to fly by, honestly. But what I was going to say was, I feel like a lot to do with this whole like remaking the black into black families and stuff i feel like it's the white savior complex just taking over as it usually does it's it's just a it's a lot it's instead of doing what black people actually want they just keep doing what they think they want over and over because you're not listening because they're not listening because you're not listening and i'm gonna look more into this but i can almost guarantee you Whoever is is in charge of this remake is is not black. I'm gonna tell you that right now, and and watch mm-hmm. me be right because that speaks a lot for itself too. Like there were there were certain things in the angry black girl and her monster that I've seen in other movies that were supposed to be written for a black audience, and you're like, wait a minute, this is a little too much. And then you find out that like the writer producers and everything were white, and I'm t- and I'm telling y'all that makes a difference. You can't tell the story if you don't have somebody in the room that I'm looks so like the person you're trying to tell this story for. I don't care how many times you think you're not going to get it right. But yeah, you're just like, you're not going to get it right. It's never going to work. Stop and trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. You just no, that was perfect. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Because it's it's true. It's it's true. You're trying to make a thing a thing that isn't working, hasn't been working, and the only the only thing that they have in common is that the studios, as long as the studios make see what's gonna happen is one of these have got to tank so bad that it's literally <laughs> a bomb before these studios are going to say something it's when it's it's when it hits their pocket that's the only time that that's the only time that it ever happens is when it hits is when it hits their pocket oh man and i just found out somebody else i hate to be like this but i just found out somebody else is involved that i love and no disrespect no disrespect to her but i love uh no, nah, I'm not even gonna say her name because I don't even know yet. And I ain't see her in the trailer, but I love I love this woman. And uh I even met her. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say look, y'all can figure that out if you know me. But um I do. Like also I just saw that Tyra Banks is one of the executive producers, so I definitely want this shit to tank. Cause that's that bitch gave so many women trauma from America's Next Top Model that I can't wait till these NDAs drop out and we finally get that fucking documentary. Please, even your stomach wants it. Apparently, I mean, listen, <laughs> you see it drop every bit on TikTok. Like I was all up in it. 
I was all up in America's Next Top Model back in the day. And that motherfucking show, Tyra, bitch, anyway, listen, I'm not happy. And I'm just tired. Like, and everybody else involved was was white. Tyra Banks don't count. She don't count. And if you know, you know. I don't even need to go there. I don't even need to go. If you've been, if you've been, uh... <laughs> If you've been publicly injured by, have you been publicly, what is it, by Regina George? If Why does Mean Girls keep coming up to Because it's the greatest ever. And it's if Wednesday. you've ever been personally victimized by Regina George. A.K.A. Tyra Banks. Um, so, she listen. She doesn't even go here. I'm, I just had to put those two cents in because I'm just, I'm tired of this. Like, it, mm, and people are going to say, but it's but Becky, it's on BET. Do y'all know who owns BET? BET has not been black entertainment network in, in a, or black entertainment television in a long time. Viacom, who owns VH1 and MTV, owns BET. That is not a black network anymore. It hasn't been for years. So don't play that game with me either. And if that's something y'all didn't know, Google is free. But, you know, like, because I know that's going to be the argument. It's going to be, well, Tyra and BET. It's just like these... Y'all might as well have said Tyler Perry's part of it. And I really would have been like, ugh. Like, I just love when throw up gag. Like, anyway. Well, this black person is into Trump. Okay. That doesn't mean... That, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of, well, my best friend is black. Okay? I mean, you, you, look, you're, you're saying a whole lot. Okay, like... Do you know what sucks, though? Is because like, you're I, telling I, on yourself. I literally am like, my best friend is black, though. I love you. It's okay. I'm like, I'm not trying to be... But you're not. Any kind of way, but she is. I'm but like, I will call her. I will call... She will answer, and she will tell you... <laughs> that it's for real. It's not some... It's not I'm some not shit. just trying to be like, well, I work with a black person. Okay. Well, and I just... I do. I think what's going to happen is it's it's going to take the movie. It's going to take one of these movies to just finally tank and for the producers not to make their money back on it before they're like, okay, maybe we should stop doing this. Don't get even get me started on this right here. <laughs> what if we just stop spending money on anything? Watch the whole country tank. But anyway, don't get me on my soapbox. <laughs> if my I could do the Hunger Games whistle right now, I would, but I can't. I, can't I feel like I feel like this movie missed the point with a lot of people. By the way, we are back on and Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. Yes. We're, we're done talking about We're done talking about that. Nonsense. Um, <laughs> so the Angry Black Girl and Her Monster is the directorial debut of writer-director Bomini Story. And again, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering his name because this movie was brilliant. Um, and it stars uh, Leia DeLeon Hayes, Denzel Whitaker, who was in Black Panther, and Chad Coleman, who everybody remembers from The Walking Dead fame, and The Wire, which is also an amazing show. Um... The production company was Crypt TV, and it was distributed by RLJE Films, and its release date was March 11th of 2023, and it got a short theatrical run in June of last year. 
So it is currently streaming on Shutter. Um, I I really I'm a little upset by the rating. Like I'm upset, but I'm not. I still think that there's too many people that watch. There's just a lot of people that just miss it. They just miss it. And I think this movie missed it. And I think I think or I think people that saw this movie just like they they missed it. They missed everything like to what this movie was trying to say to to the message. And also, in my opinion, this being one of the best adaptations of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, because it actually it got it. It, it, it nailed it. Um, just to give a quick backstory, because I don't think many people know, um, surface level, everybody's familiar with Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein collects body parts, makes his monster. The monster's chased out of town. Um, the whole thing, like surface level people know the story, but I think what people really don't know is at the heart of Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus is that Mary Shelley wrote this book when she was 18 and finished it when she was 20 years old and that woman had gone through immense amounts of grief her entire life and at the heart of the story of Frankenstein is grief is and how society can make a monster and the grief how grief can literally eat you up inside, how badly you so badly would want to bring someone back that you love because the grief is just so overwhelming and immense. Um, she lost her mother days after childbirth. She grieved her mother her whole life. Uh, she had children after her first loss with Percy Shelley, but mourned that loss of that child her whole life. Uh, Percy himself, she outlived him. He died very tragically before he was 30 years old in a boating accident. She kept his heart her whole life. This woman experienced immense amounts of grief and she knew it with her whole soul and being. And that is what she wrote into Frankenstein at the age of 20. Um, and Angry Black Girl and Her Monster capture the depths of grief in a way that I really think Mary Shelley would applaud. Um, I love how Bomini at the very end credits thanks her. He he personally thanks Mary Shelley. Um, there's an amazing movie that came out in 2017. Elle Fanning plays her. I Maisie Williams is in it. Like, I highly recommend people watch that movie if they don't know anything about Mary Shelley. That woman was a visionary and a very prolific writer and i sort of hate that she's kind of all oh, she's kind of been seen in history as just one note like she's percy shelley's wife and she wrote frankenstein but that woman was so far ahead of her time um <clears throat> and her thought and how she was raised of being an independent woman and free thinking and expressing things in the 1800s that were almost unheard of during their time. That woman was a visionary and I personally gained an immense amount of respect and love for her after I watched that movie. And I know it was an adaptation, but it really touched a lot on who she was. And I, and I think it got it right. 
about her. And I don't think her story has ever been told in that way. It made her so much more of a one note. It, it made it made the world see that she wasn't just Percy Shelley's wife and she wasn't just the woman that wrote Frankenstein. She was more than that. Um, and my hat's off to this movie, just really giving that story the credit and also taking the, the toll of what, what many black people unfortunately have had to see in society for many, many, many years of being seen as monsters or angry. Um, just in expressing ourselves and speaking up for ourselves and stating our own opinions. If you don't do it quietly and submissively, you're angry and you're threatening. And that happens and you have to acknowledge that and you have to acknowledge that that still even happens today. Now, granted, in this country, as an opposed to other countries, even to this day, the way black people are treated, and I know this is going to be polarizing, but I mean, it is, it's, there's definitely better, betters than not, but you have to acknowledge what is still happening. And you also have to acknowledge what is still happening in neighborhoods and predominantly black neighborhoods that have been incredibly disproportionate from the start. Redlining, the 80s, the crack epidemic. Thanks, Reagan. The um, it just destroyed everything. It destroyed the family structure. It destroyed education. It it literally destroyed everything. Um, he was the best president we had. What are you talking? About? I mean, right? Just say no, Nancy. Right? Anyway, um, I don't. Y'all, please don't make me go there. I hate. Oh, I hate that Google man. Google is free. That's I all. hate that man. Anyway, um, and this movie spoke to all of that. And even deep from, from a horror, I, I think it always, we, we've talked about the horror noir documentary that we highly, God, if you haven't seen that yet. And, and how even in the start of that documentary, it says black history is horror. That hit me to my core because that if if you live in in these worlds like the protagonist in our story of um of Vicari of uh, the Carrie, I'm sorry, I do not want to fuck up her name. Um Especially because she bitch fucked up her name in the um, Is it anyway. it's Vicaria? Yeah. Because she's she pronounces her name as if you're saying vicariously. Oh, so it's not okay. Vicaria, it's Vicaria. So it's supposed to be, because it's we, we find out later, it's a play on Victor, who's Victor Frankenstein. So if you take Victor and Vicaria, so it's Vicaria, like Victor, like the take on Victor. I was going to say, because um, I really like her name. So it it plays, if you if you look at her background and you look at, the history of what she experienced as a black person in that part of many places in America. Uh, a lot of it has got gotten worse before it's gotten better. Um, God, I'm even seeing horror stories of 
of a lot of these places where these people, they're trying to, you know, gentrification is pu pushing them out. They're raising rent, but they're not doing anything about trying to fix any of these places. They're, they're forcing people out who have nowhere else to go. It's, um, you know, and I could say that I could say the same for Appalachia and, and methamphetamine. Listen, so many people have been infected by drug epidemics and horrible situations in this country brought on by very much foreseen circumstances that could have been prevented, but just weren't because the rich men are going to get richer and they don't care about the poor men getting poorer. And that could be said across the board. But in this instance, it is spoken from a black dysphoria because of dis you know, proportionally, this is, this is what was seen first and the problem never got fixed. It was handled differently. There weren't rehabs popping up. There weren't places to help people. There was more police intervention um, and not in a good way, <laughs> not trying to protect in any way, shape or form, um, which is an ugly thing too. You know, you need police, but when it's in situations like this, you don't need that because there's no protection. You, you have no protection from anywhere. You have no protection from any sides. And you see that a lot. You see that in this movie from the start when she starts off the movie by saying death is a disease and she was surrounded by nothing but death from the start. Um, the movie opens up to her brother Chris has been murdered. She starts to tell the story of well, her mom got how her first. Uh, she was a child and her mother, what we can only assume was a stray bullet from a drive-by was shot um, right there, right while she was with her. Her brother saw it. Literally it. one of the first lines is, I heard my mother's heart stop beating. And I was like, okay, noise. This is where we're beginning. And then her brother gets caught up in drugs, gets set up gets shot, gets killed, and um, Vicaria decides that I can cure death. I'm going to cure this disease. And I think that's so poignant. And even in a way of going back to Mary Shelley, I think it's more that grief is a disease than it is death. Because... If you refuse to grieve, that's the disease. Because, or if you just can't, or if you grieve forever. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, and I, I think that that's what she unfortunately has to learn that the hard way as the movie goes on. But in the beginning, I think if you're surrounded by nothing but death and then it touches you, it's touching your whole neighborhood, but it's also touched you personally. Your mother and your brother have now both been taken away from you, from death, from, from the circumstances that you're surrounded in. And I think... Um, I think you couldn't look at death as any other way but a disease. Uh, <clears throat> crack was the disease. It's what set her brother up in the situation. You find out later her dad's using it. Um, 
and she decides that she's going to bring her brother back. Um, you don't see that until uh, the movie about an hour and a half long. So, and it, it was timed great, but um, the way that it starts out though, was you, she, you meet her, her neighbor, which is um, it's her aunt, isn't it? Or is it a cousin? Well, no, the, uh, the girl who was braiding her hair was Chris's girlfriend and she's pregnant with Chris's child. Okay. So. Aisha? Yeah. So Jada is Aisha's little sister. Gotcha. Okay. And she calls, uh, Vicaria the mad scientist, which is fitting. And because of how smart she is, she's incredibly intelligent. Um, you find out she goes to a private school as Jada calls it, the white school, which I love because if you're a black person, that's what you're going to refer to, refer to it as. Um, also, there's a line in this movie that was so black. I fucking loved it. Uh, the part where she was walking away from, from Kanga and he said, Hawaiian shirt wearing ass. <laughs> I'm like, listen, that was, I'm going to tell y'all. And if you don't know, cause a lot of people are like, huh? Uh, it's fine. I'm going to, I'm going to school you in to some, to some black shit right now. Uh, we love doing that as a compliment or an insult, just picking out something you're wearing. Be like, red shoe having ass. Like, we will just do that. Or like, look at you with the blue hat on. Like, that's a compliment. We will do that. That is that is so deeply a black cultural thing that we will compliment you for something you have on. <clears throat> look at gold necklace over there. Or we will let you have it with something you have on. Broke, busted ass, sweatpants ass, wearing ass looking like that is such a, you said so much and all you did was say sweatpants. Like it, <laughs> it's like that line, I loved, I was like, this is why this movie was made for black people. Because that line, I was dying. First of all, it was perfect because it like any little bit of comedy that you throw into a horror or a drama to kind of break up all that shit is perfect. It, it, the, the timing, literal comedic timing, timing's perfect. When he said that, I almost fell off the fucking couch because I was like, that is that is such an inherently black thing. He didn't call her a bitch. He didn't say nothing. He said Hawaiian. He said, don't be slamming my door. Hawaii sh Hawaiian shirt wearing ass nigga. That's all he said. He didn't even. That's all he, he said. He said so much and so little. He said that's. I just had to throw that out there because if you're black, you're like yes. Like that is such an inherently cultural thing amongst black people Listen, that we could literally pay you a compliment, compliment and insult you just based purely on what you're wearing. I literally had it. an older black and lady compliment my hair and she literally said, oh girl, look at you and your hair. That's it. I, that was the best thing that ever happened. It's like a me. big hug. Doesn't it make you feel amazing? And then she called me baby and I was listen, like, I, what do you, I am your slave. Like, what do you listen, want? I need, like, what do you want? What reparations? You what what can I give you? What Anything? can I give you? you what can I give you? Want me to you? get you some coffee? Want me to anything? <laughs> when a black woman tax return, calls me like... baby, <laughs> done. Oh, I am, I am completely. It is you a have warm saved hug. My life. I am eternally grateful. It is a warm hug. <laughs> it is the therapy you needed. It is even on the phone. 
my job is on the phone. And if a black woman hangs up and goes, okay, you have a good day, baby. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to make any more calls. I am. You raised me up. Like moment. It. Like, listen, I, <laughs> I saw a white girl. on. TikTok. I heard a Josh Groban reference earlier too. So I love that. <laughs> I saw a white girl Josh on TikTok Groban. that was like talking about this. I know I like, love her and I know who you're talking about because I started like, following I love just... her so much. And I was like, you know, I've never seen someone put it into words, but yes. I have talked to my fiance about this before. I'm like, I don't know what it is, but when a black woman calls me baby or honey or compliments me or just talks to me like just out of the blue and she's just being sweet and Because it's not baby, pretentious. It's just wonderful. Because it actually comes from the heart. No one in order white lady talks to me, just don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I tend to not get along with her. <laughs> I order white ladies anyway, but anyway, it's fine. Same. Um, also, I looked on. Okay, so Daphne Quinn Wu. Again, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering these names, but Daphne Quinn Q I N Wu did the cinematography for uh the angry black girl and her monster um i really have to shout i had to shout out that woman because yeah that the, cinematography is on literally point. from the very Amazing. beginning from the very beginning there there's just there's certain scenes and shots It's just beautiful. I don't, the coloring, I, I don't even know how to, I, I just, I can't say enough because it was just, it, it was incredible. Everybody, every single person, I, I, I can't name out everybody because it'll take too long. But if you go to IMDB's full cast and crew, literally bravo applause to everybody that was involved with this movie. Because it was just She is a cinematographer beautiful. on almost 60 films. Thank you, Daphne. Thank you, man. Damn. Thank you, Daphne. Because I'm like, it kind of makes me want to watch another one of her movies. I'm like, ma'am, you, you killed this. Um, so, and again, we always do, you know, spoiler alert, guys. There's going to be spoilers. We always just, you know, if you haven't seen it. Um, so there's an incident that happens at her school. Well, we, well, first we're introduced to Jada. Um, then there's then she goes to school. There's an incident that happens at her school. Uh, her white teacher clearly did not like that uh, she was smarter than her, and um, in so many words, and was mispronouncing her name. Let me tell you what really fucked me up is when she said, "I'll just call you Vicky because it's easier." Mm -mm. Like, fuck off. If y'all can say Timothy Chalamet, you can fucking say, like, there's some white ass names out there that are just overly hard. Like, and that's part of their culture. Her name is a part of her culture. Hispanic names, these names, these names are just as part of that culture as they are part of European culture. So learn how to get the name right. Timothy like, That's his name. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there you go. So, um... Security shows up. It's a whole incident. It's awful. Her glasses are broken. Um, in a way, though, I kind of like how they were broken because it sort of gave more to like her nerd element. Like she had to tape them in the middle, like tape her gloves. Like they broke in the middle. And it was something about that that kind of added this like nerdy element to her. Um, but it's like the enemy there and then the enemy at home 
where this drug dealer that kind of rules the block, Kango, him and other black, like they look, which is something that happens and you have to talk about it. Like they look down on her. This is also part of what's brought up. She's looked down on within her own community as bougie or against her people in a way by trying to be smarter and get better. There's, there is this dichotomy, you know, like it's, it, you have to talk about it. There's, there's a lot in the black community that needs to be healed within itself. And one thing inherently that's been going on for years is this, this connection to whiteness when you're trying to better yourself, when you're trying to educate yourself more, when you're trying to leave your circumstance, when you're trying to do better for yourself is in somehow a proximity to wanting to be white or wanting to be closer to white people. It's a very strange, it's, it's very strange, but it is something that is so is deeply rooted within the black community deep, even to this day. And that's something that this movie does touch on that she's sort of like damned if she does and damned if she doesn't in ways, because it's like, you're going to this school to make yourself better, but you got to deal with this racist, ignorant ass teacher that had the nerve when her dad came to talk to the school. Oh, your name, it's German. Where did that come from? And he in so many words said slavery, bitch, the fuck? Like that is the dumbest. Let me tell you something. That's about the dumbest thing you could ever ask a black person is your name sounds so like if you say their name sounds European, almost slapped I'm, I'm, I'm literally gonna slap you in the face oh your name sounds european where'd you get your name from transatlantic slave trade you dumbass like the fuck is you talking about didn't he even say something like that he said like he's like he's like oh by the way my like, name my great grandmother no he like... said no he said by the oh he said oh by the way my name that was probably the name of the master that that would uh would uh, brand it on my ancestors. That's what it was. Because that happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she slaves like, were slaves were branded like cattle. That was a real thing that happened. So let's and just. She just looked at him horrified, and I'm like, "What kind of fucking answer did you expect?" I mean, what do you, lady? Come on now. Come on now. Ask a stupid question. Get a pretty damn right on answer. Like Malcolm X changed his name to X specifically because he did not want to carry a last name that was given to him by the, because this would happen. You took on, you were property. So you were given the last name of the people that owned you. And he didn't want to carry that name. Now I'm not saying that's for everybody, but if you don't get the point of why he did that, then I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm done. I, know, I, don't I can't, you. I don't, I, I, I'm just, you make my hemorrhoids act up. I can't, I just can't. I have hemorrhoids. There are some people, they really do. I swear to God, there are some people where I literally go, you make my asshole itch. Just looking at your face and the sound of your voice. There's a whole list. There's a whole list. Like, there's right. no other way to describe it. It's like, you make my ass itch. Like, that's, I that's know, on a level, man. I know exactly what that means. I really do. 
Like you just can't. Like you hear your you hear their voice and you're like, nope. Mm-mm. That used to happen. Mm-mm. I need my butthole to not itch today. Certain places that I worked, <laughs> I would hear their voice and I would be like, okay, bye. Oh, look, I'm busy. Oh, no. I need my butthole not to itch today. Okay. I don't need an itchy so butthole today. Go over here. <laughs> bye. Or go over here. <laughs> we all know. Like, there's people. You know. There's people we all have itchy assholes like, with certain people. silent scream into the void um so then we cut to where we know where she's been keeping chris's body she's actually been snatching other bodies um i think actually before this too we are introduced to aisha which is jada's sister and she is also pregnant with chris's with chris's baby and um because she makes a comment of, I wish I could find out who took Chris's body. And after that is when we see that basically she has stitched Chris back together she uh, with various parts. Um, they had been talking about a grave snatcher or a body snatcher. Yeah, because that's brought up later. Like, you're the body snatcher? Um her notebook that she's been writing her notes literally says the modern Prometheus in front of it. All these little nods to, uh, just, it, it made me so happy. Just the, the various nods to, to Frankenstein. Um, and she gives life to Chris. She brings him back. Um, he grabs her arm. She's burned. I would think so because of all the electricity she comes to and, uh, she sees him. And he comes to her and she realizes what she's done and she's terrified and she tries to lock him away. Um, It doesn't work. He gets out. Um, Actually, before that happens, she takes him to, she's like, I'm going to take you to the person that killed you. And she tries to steal the drugs from Kango, which is the drug dealer that set up her brother, who's the guy that basically runs the whole neighborhood. Um, And one of his henchmen, Curtis, gets caught in the middle. And Chris, uh, he dies later, but it's a a wonder he didn't die then. Because I'm thinking, you bust somebody's head against the ground like that. Like, that's instant death. Like, um, but he choked him out and... And he actually kept saying it was Chris. Like, even Curtis knew it was him. But obviously people were like, we don't believe you. Chris is dead. Every, you know, whatever. And then they see her running away. Another one of his henchmen sees her running away with drugs. Kango finds out she has the drugs and says, well, since you're known as the mad scientist, you're going to come, you know, work for cut. Me cut this for listen i'm not gonna go into all that either if y'all want to know how to make drugs google that and get somebody on your fucking work and get be on somebody's watch list because i'm right not about to get into all that on how you how you make our cocaine in the crack like i'm here like we're not doing that today go fucking google that and be on the alphabet watch list like go beyond somebody's go beyond somebody's government watch list i'm i'm i am not about to do that no ain't ever done that drug in my life not about to go not, there. Not gonna try it. Not even doing it. Um, but he basically says in so many words, "You're gonna come make this for me since you're the quote unquote mad scientist or whatever." And she's like, "Fuck you!" And but basically, she has no choice. 
because she's still trying to keep Chris covered up while she gets roped into all this thing. Because so they're trying she, to figure out the guy that was with her and she won't tell him. She won't tell him it's Chris because she knows what's going to happen. <clears throat> um, at some point, she ends up over at Aisha's talking with her, talking with Jada. Um, and then Jada, this little girl just... I, I love this little girl. She just still... She's played by Amani Summer. I need to see little Amani in more movies. She, she killed this role. Jada steals every um scene that she's in and uh riley brooke stith or stith plays aisha and um denzel whitaker who was in uh black panther most recently um plays kango so jada basically lets it drop that she's been talking to chris everybody thinks she's talking to an imaginary friend but obviously uh Makaria knows the truth and she's like, what are you doing? What have you been doing? And Jada this whole time, because she's learning her ABCs, she's been teaching Chris how to talk. So now Chris starts talking. At one point she even hears him saying ABC because he has this deep growl <laughs> when he speaks. And um, so at some point, you know, it, and they live in the projects. Again, this is why I compare it a lot to Candyman um especially with the messaging in it so they live in the projects the cops show up again the cops kill so there's a little boy that's friends with jada that you see and he's shot by cops that was absolutely horrific because you watch this little boy die take his last breaths um and then at some point chris kills a cop mm -hmm. and one of kango's henchmen I think that's Jamal. Is he the guy that carries around the machete? I think that's Jamal. Because he's in it towards the end. I think that's his name. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's played by Keith Holliday. Uh, Jamal pretty much saw everything. Like, he saw what happened with Curtis. He saw what happened with the cop. He, he knows. Like, he's like, I know that's Chris. But, like, nobody's believing him. Like, he went even back and told Kango that he knows it's Chris. And he was like, um, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Like, I know you did something. So. She's been having to help Kango, unfortunately. Because he's basically threatened to kill her in so many words. And I think Jamal's just been waiting to kill her because uh of what happened with curtis and she blames him so uh shit's kind of hit the fan at this point chris is out um there's a really poignant scene that i'm i'm not going to really get into because people really need to just see it because it's very powerful and I have literally tried to talk about it twice since watching it and I can't talk about it without crying. Like I just, I can't, it, it evoked something in me that was just a little too real. Um, and I think, I think you need to just watch it. Uh, it's a scene specifically with Chris and the police and Chris can speak. Um, yeah. And it was hard. Um, it hit Casper. I don't think there's anybody, I think, I don't think there's anybody I don't care what race, sex, color, cre I don't, I don't care. That 
when you are watching that scene as it relates to him being a black man, the environment, being afraid of police when you shouldn't be afraid of police. There was just like so much going on in that scene. And again, the cinematography, oh it just, it, it was a lot. Um, I cried a lot during this movie. It was heavy and it needed to be. Like this movie had a very solid message and I think that when I say that anybody of any race, like obviously this was a black story that was meant for black people. And I think that Jordan Peele said it best when there's just some movies that need to be made for black people. And if you're a white person and you don't get it, then you just don't get it because there have been enough movies made for you. Um, you know what I mean? Like when he said that, hello, like, duh. I mean, he was right. He was right. Mm -hmm. And I don't care. You know, you want to be mad? Why are you, are you mad? Cause he's telling the truth. Cause that's the only reason why I can figure you're mad. Everything that's everything Jordan Peele said was the truth. Um, this movie was made for black people, but this movie can resonate with anyone when it comes to being affected by violence, being affected by drugs and knowing what deep grief feels like and how um you know there's this beautiful moment that like Vicario was so hesitant to to be a part of but it was so beautiful like her dad came over and they all had this like family meal because she's like you know we got to be family now and it was Aisha's mom and Aisha's pregnant with Chris's child so they're going to be grandparents and it's like Jada was, the, you know, like there was this whole beautiful moment. The cops came and knocking on the door and her dad put a stop to it. And like this whole moment of like uh, them remembering Chris. And he goes like, what did Chris used to call him? And they was like, you know, they were, they were, it was this moment of like, that's what it's supposed to be about. Grief doesn't have to be like that moment talked about like, and I think that was part of Aisha or uh, Vicaria finally getting it like death doesn't, death isn't the disease, it's grief. And if you let it, if you don't, if you let it consume you, really, this is where it's going to go to. You need these moments. Um, It was kind of crazy where I was like, do I need to cry more today? I saw this, this post it was after i watched the movie that uh it was this moment with her with this lady and her mom and and it was it was so happy and then it it made me think of my mom and i had this uh she's been gone 11 years and i just i was happy i had this memory and it felt good and i cried and then it hurt and i just i let the wave take me over and then Go back. Because that's what it is. Once it's been so long, you give yourself, you're going to cry. And it's going to hurt like hell. But it's okay when you have that moments. happy moment, like when you have that, like that, that beautiful memory I had felt so good. And I get to hold on to that. And I get to be happy through those tears. Like that's, that's what matters. And like, that was that 
that was sort of that family moment they had where it's like, that's Chris. Mm -hmm. This is Chris. What we're doing right now, laughing about something goofy Chris said, this is Chris. This is who Chris is to us. This memory, this moment, this happiness, this laughter, this is Chris. Not that. So that, that, like, that spoke a lot. Like, there's, it, it just, it spoke so much. So once we get to the climax of the movie where um, Jamal or uh, Vicaria just wants all this to end, um, Chris now as the quote unquote monster has broken out of this uh, lab that she had and he's been living in this adjacent, adjacent apartment to Aisha and, and Aisha and everybody and been in the walls and this abandoned place. She takes the drugs that she originally took and just gives them back to Kango. Like we're done. Um, and he was about to let it go till Jamal steps in and says, Curtis is dead. So at this point he's done. He's just ready to kill her. Cause he's like, I know it's Chris. I've been telling everybody it's Chris. I know it's you that did this. I'm going to kill you. Like this is, this is done. So Kango, I guess, has a moment of consciousness or just really at the end of the day, just wanted his fucking drugs back. I don't really think he cared. I think once way. he got his drugs back, he didn't give a shit because he was like, I've spent all this money. I got I my drugs back. I'm work. done with all this crap. Like, yeah. He's like, I got my drugs. Her back. Hawaiian shirt looking ass. Like, he's get like, out of here. Like, like, I'm done. Just, just go. So Jamal steps in and is like, nah, fuck that. And when Kango tries to stop him, he takes his machete and just buries it in his, in shoulder. his shoulder and i was like it was, was collective like, oh fuck from everybody. um she ran and she that's when she realizes her dad is dead because yeah. after because kind of like in the cut scene where chris is with the police and he's saying he's going to see his father uh you do see a scene where his dad walks in and Chris is sitting in his room and he's got this picture of him and Vicaria and his dad's like, man, you know, I'm so happy to see you. I thought you were gone. It was like this moment. And then he sees his face. And uh, so if <clears throat> I should have probably said this for context, Chris is shot in the face. So when Vicaria is putting him back together. She essentially has to take like other people's faces to sort of stitch him. And this is sort of shown to, in the beginning, like before she, the you know, the electricity and the whole thing and brings him back. Um, so when his dad sees his face, he's <clears throat> obviously completely freaked out and is like, this isn't Chris, whatever. Now, Chris was a big guy, and he is wearing his hood, and everybody sees his dreads. So that's, if you didn't immediately see his face, everybody just knows that's Chris, because he's still wearing the same clothes, his dreads, and everything. But when his dad, as soon as his dad sees his face, he's like, absolutely not. That's not my son. And um, freaks out, and obviously Chris freaks out, and kills his dad. Um, and then after the whole thing happened, where Jamal attacks Kango... Uh, Vicaria comes home and she finds her dad dead. 
Um, and I think that's the moment where she realizes. It's like when it comes full circle at that point. Yeah, like where what she's I've like, done. oh, bringing him back probably wasn't the best idea. But at the same time, there's an underlying lesson of society making him out to be a monster, not him actually being a bad guy. Because he, when he first came back, he was aggressive towards her until she was like, hey, it's me. Like, I'm not going to hurt you. And then he was kind of like, oh, okay. And then he was like, perfectly fine. And he really was. And Jada, he was never aggressive towards Jada. From then never, on, he was which, protective of her. I think that's what it like really the little, came down and it, to. And I think, and again, I, that there is another nod to Frankenstein. Because there's the classic scene with the little girl at the pond. And he's kind to her. And he gives her the flower. And. He's trying to hold on to her and she's like, you're hurting me. And then the little girl instantly freaks out. So then that causes him to freak out mm -hmm. and he kills her and he doesn't mean to kill her. But once the townspeople see that he's killed her, they don't care what the reasoning is. You're a monster. We have to kill you. Yeah. So I feel so there again, that was a perfect not. I think the, the dynamic between Jada and Chris and Chris I think if we wanted to take the original Frankenstein story, I think that's the way we would have wanted to see it is him being protective of that little girl when she hands him the flower. Cause that's such a beautiful human moment um, that we don't get. Uh, so we see um, she thinks that it was Chris and coming around the corner, it was actually Jamal. He had gotten in the apartment. He's got his machete. Um, Kango was actually the one that hits him. So we see that Kango is actually still alive and he was severely wounded. Um, and then at that point, Chris does show up and arguably, in my opinion, one of the best kills I've seen in a horror film takes that machete and basically just slowly shoves it into his mouth sideways. Perfection. He kind of made I the love Joker, that kill scene. The Joker. The Glasgow um, smile. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. It was. I loved that. I, you know what? I probably, I think there's been variations of that kilt scene done in other movies. Oh, 100%. But that I, that I loved. Really well. That yeah. I loved. It was done very well. And I, because I loved that it was slow. <laughs> and he was like slowly pushing it into his mouth. Um, so Vicaria and Kango lock themselves in this room. They have this moment where they realize it's Chris and she's trying to explain things to him. And he's like, fuck that. We got to, we got to do something about this, whatever. And she's like, well, if electricity brought him to life, electricity can kill him. I need you to get this pack for me out of my room. And she's going to get the other one from the lab. She goes back to the lab. Um, he's killed the Kango. His body's there. He's dead. Um, Jada shows up. She's, I think she was actually there hiding though. And I think she was. Nakaria's like, you can't be here. And she's freaked out. She's got blood on her face. And later you find out it's a, hand, a handprint. Um, and Chris shows up and she is successful in electrocuting him. But there's this moment before he dies that they have together where he says, I am a monster. And she says, no. You're not. You're Chris. They made you the monster. I thought he ended up living, though. 
No, he did die. Oh, he did die again? Yeah, he did die I again. thought when she... Like, the initial electrocution didn't kill him, but he's okay. laying there. And then he kind of, I think, sort of reminiscent of the little boy dying. Like, she watches, he takes that final... Oh, that's breath. right. That's right. For some reason, I thought he lived. Sort of like that. death rattle breath. Um, and Jada goes on to explain to her that like Chris tried to come see us and be with the family, and they freaked out and they tried to fight him. And I was trying to explain to them and yada. And anyway, you discover that she goes back and he's killed. Um, he killed Aisha. He killed Aisha's mom. Um, he could have killed everybody. Actually, he killed everybody. That, he killed everybody, but Jade. I think he killed the little boy that was there was Jada's little brother. I think he killed him too. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't see the body. I I just, did, yeah, we didn't see him. But I just it was saw insinuated. Um, and I don't think Jada knows what to do. She just kind of innocently starts playing with the blocks again because she's like, "Can't you bring them back? Can't you?" And Vicaria's like, "No, I can't. You know, it's we can't do this." And Jada just sort of like innocently starts playing with her blocks again. And then all of a sudden, Vicaria goes, wait, they're fresh. And I mean, when mm -hmm. my face went, oh, no, no. Um, they take Aisha back and do the same thing. This time Jada's there and they do the same thing that they did to Chris. And Jada comes back. And again, more nods to Frankenstein. She's alive. There's, they say that about the baby. Um, and like, Vicario's asking her these questions. Like, she yells out Victor. And Vicario's like, no, I need you to say your name. It's Aisha. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she goes, because in the beginning, she's asking her what the baby's name is. And she said, I promised Chris that I wouldn't tell anybody until after the baby's born. And when she says Victor, she says, Chris wanted to name the baby after you. So there was the other nod to yeah. Frankenstein because that was the doctor, was Victor Frankenstein. So I thought mm -hmm. that was incredible. Um, and then the it's a, and then you then the baby's alive, and then I'm just like, what is this baby gonna be like? But then now there have been instances where even though a mother dies, the baby actually is still alive in utero. So we really don't know if when they brought Aisha back, the baby could have been alive the whole time. Right. Because especially with her being fresh, that didn't go through my head until after where I was like, Oh, zombie baby. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm like, the baby could anyway. It was just, it was just so much at that point. And then she asks, where's the rest of the family? And, uh, Vicaria says to her, "What? You'll she said they'll be here soon. They'll be here soon. I loved that. the movie ends. Um, I loved it, but it's it was it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. It was just it was heartbreaking because it was like you felt like Vicaria learned, but in a way she didn't because she's like, oh wait, that's where I fucked up. I didn't have a fresh body, and you're like." No, You're like, that's not the point. No. But then but, I, she, <laughs> but then she looks at Jada. <clears throat> poor thing. I, I feel think, like I know it just came to me. Yeah, I, I think feel we like both I the know same. what the ending was proving. So I feel like, you know, she realized she fucked up because she brought Chris back. Very 
indicative of, you know, you have grief and you won't let it go. And she realized because she couldn't let go of her grief, you know, it ruined. It created a literal monster. Like a, yeah. I think the reason she was able to bring her family back and they were okay was because life was giving her a second chance because she learned the first time. I agree with that, but I also think that she did it for Jada. I mean that as well. I don't I don't think she could deal with I think she was a similar age. I don't I don't I don't think they ever said how old Jada was, but I think she was a similar age when she saw her mom die. Yeah. I and think I she said she was eight, excuse me. And I so I think I think looking at Jada, she saw herself. Yeah. And she thought, I I can't if there is any way that I can take this away from Jada and not have her deal with this grief at this age like I had to mm-hmm. I think that I think I totally agree with you but I also think that was part of it I think, I think it's both I think she looked at Jada I definitely I but I think there I think there was this life giving her a second chance no pun intended but also not wanting to see the 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 pain of this grief repeated in Jada yeah and having like this cycle she wanted to repeat itself. Right there. Yeah. Which now at that point you don't know what's gonna happen. Because right. It yeah. It was um this movie was so moving and it was it so was. it was just it was beautifully written, it was beautifully directed. The the script was incredible and so real. And you you hear people talk like that. Like everything everything was in everything that was in that movie just felt real. It mm-hmm. felt like real conversations and real people and real you know, the, the fictional part of the Frankenstein story was obviously fictional, but like the rest of it was so real that mm-hmm. I think that that's what evoked the emotion even more. Why both of us cried. And I mean, I honestly forgot I was because watching it was a Frankenstein so real. Movie. Yeah. I, I genuinely just felt like I was watching like a literal black history film. Like, yeah. I, I really felt like it was so in your face with its message, which I'm not mad at. I, I like when things are in your face like that. I love that it was beautifully inter- intertwined into a story like it was. But I was like, they're clearly trying to talk about the underlying very, very black and white message that they're trying to send. And that's what made it, that's what made me cry. Honestly, the movie probably wouldn't have made me cry hadn't it not been like, oh yeah, this is actually real life. Like for them. And it's terrible. Because they continue to keep going through this bullshit. But then, just like Becky said, it's also the underlying thing of grief. Where if you've experienced grief, you can also relate to, you know, how Vicaria felt. If you've lost anybody in a way that was just tragic or unexpected or violent, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I think that grief will... It's hard to not... And especially if there's been multiple deaths, I think, like... You know, you look at you look at the crack epidemic, then you look at meth, then you look at pills, now you look at fentanyl. There are literally people going to multiple funerals in in a in a year because of drug deaths. Um, 
gun violence, uh, so many different things that spoke, that can speak to so many different demographics of people in this country that even though this this movie was inherently told from a black from a black perspective and a black story and and it needed to be and i appreciate it so much because again like i said there's just like jordan jordan peele put it so well that like white people you've had enough movies it's our time <laughs> like i'm not i'm not making these movies for you like if you enjoy them and you get it wonderful but this is not made for you. If it makes you uncomfortable, good. If there's parts of it that, if you as a white person are watching this movie and there's parts of it that make you uncomfortable, good, because it's exactly what it's supposed to do. But if you walk away getting it, you got it. And that's great because you learned it. This wasn't made for you, but you walked, you, you walked away learning something and be and being better and that's the best you can do and that's the best <laughs> you can hope for when you when black filmmakers make movies catering to their people but if a whole nother audience gets it well then you then you've done twice your job then you then you've really done it you because you you've you've reached the masses that are like, I, I got exact, even though I can't relate directly, I got it. I got exactly what you were trying to say. And there was still ways that I could relate to it. That's why I said like, there's even, there's, there's, you can relate to this movie being white. And that's why I brought up all these examples. If you've lost someone to gun violence, if you've lost someone to drugs, if you've lost somebody in these horrible ways and, and it's, it's the grief is just consuming. And it's so like, there's there's so many parts if there if there's so many parts to this film where even if you're not black but you can just relate in any of those number of things this movie <clears throat> can still mean something to you and still evoke an emotion in you that really brings you into the film in the way that it was meant to be this I I told Casper earlier and I stand by it and I don't care 10 out of 10 Hands down, 10 out of 10 for this film. Uh, definitely in the top five best of 2023, for sure. Um, I still stand by what I say about Thanksgiving, because that was a great film for what it was, too. But there were some really real... The, the horror films that did come out of 2023, this is is up there. This is up there, for sure. Yeah, I have it, to say, I would rate it pretty much a 9, a 9 or a 10 for myself as well. Um, I, because, like, I feel like, and not to piggyback off of what Becky said, but to piggyback off of what, Be what Becky said, I don't feel like this movie was made for me. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I thought it was brilliantly done. I really appreciated the message that it gave. I've lost my grandmother, but my me and my grandma were the okay. Me and my grandmother were close. Um but it and it was painful losing her, but I haven't lost someone as close as a mother or a sibling or a best friend. 
and I, I hope to God I never will, you know, I will, but you know, that many, many, many years I'll be old and 90 and decrepit, but anyways. <laughs> but I think even if but, you don't lose somebody in a tragic way or somebody like that, like you still have an understanding of what grief is. I, yeah, absolutely. But what I was saying is, is I just, I connected with the film, but I don't think I connected with the film as much as like you would connect oh yeah i mean that's understandable so that's why i'm like it is a nine I it give goes it back to what i said half. but as an exactly. ally the whole point was that you got it yeah and you walked away better for it mm -hmm. you learned something you got it you knew exactly what it was trying to say and you got it and it evoked an emotion in you so many because emotions. you got it mm -hmm. and that's all that mattered and that's what i'm saying that's all you can you don't have to relate directly mm -hmm. to black stories if you're not a black person you just have to get it and you got it and that that's all yeah that's all you so can i personally for. rate it a good nine and a half um just because i really did enjoy the film and i thought it was brilliantly done like becky said the cinematography was absolutely gorgeous and so beautiful and the story was perfect like it was it was pretty much a perfect film they the timing was good they the didn't make it over was really long. good they didn't make it under long. everything it that was short. in it was meant like it needed to it be there very well it did so for that to be a first movie for that director like fucking Sir, great job like you really i i need more I can't wait to see more from this director. I need more. It, he fucking wrote it too. So like he's he clearly knows what the hell he's doing. So I can't wait to see more from him. And I really, really, really hope you know, I almost wonder if like Jordan Peele was a stepping stone for him. I want to see more of these black people coming out with these beautiful stories and doing these movies and because, like, I'll be in line to watch every fucking single one of them. And I love that people are seeing people like Jordan Peele or Nia DaCosta doing things like this and being like, I want to do that too. And then doing directorial debuts and having fucking amazing films. So apparently he got... Um, uh, Bomini got his start... The first movie he ever worked on was Spanners. Um, that came out in 2013. Uh, I don't know what he did on the movie, but um, after that, he directed and wrote a lot of his own uh, shorts, movie shorts, uh, according to his IMDb. Um, and then another major film he worked on, which is currently streaming on Tubi, was called Rocksteady Row. Uh, that came out in 2018. Um, but the his feature film and directorial debut, uh, and also a story that he wrote, was The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. He's also been writing uh, short stories since he was a kid. So, I mean, you can definitely tell he has a passion for writing. Mm -hmm. And what he writes speaks to himself oh my god i love this <laughs> he's got so if you want to follow him on instagram his instagram handle is story.is.king 
Um, and again, his name is Bomini, uh, B-O-M-A-N-I story. Uh, again, I apologize if I'm butchering his, his first name, but his bio, um, says the angry black girl and her monster, the South by Southwest kid, NAACP nominated bougie Negro certified. <laughs> I absolutely fucking love that. Cause that was a line in the film that yeah. Kanga said to her about being bougie when, Again, that's another slight to give a black person to another because of how educated she is, that that somehow makes her better, um, which again is very strange. It's a strange thing. It, it comes from a real jealousy standpoint, I think, too, because there was this whole thing when she was confronting him because she's like, who would you be, you know, Mr. King of the Block? If you mm -hmm. weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And then that's when he has to come back at her to scare her. Right. But at the end of the day, it, it is all jealousy. Because it's like, you're nothing without this. I'm doing something to make myself better so I can get out of this. Mm -hmm. And you're jealous. And that's why your only comeback to me is that I think I'm better than you. Because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. So much of that, always it always spurns from jealousy. It always spurns from jealousy. When you want to be better than your circumstance... And somebody else sees that. And instead of trying to strive for that, they do everything they can to pull you down. Well, you're ugly. Even to the point by telling you that you think you're better. I don't think I'm better than you. I'm just, I'm trying to be better for myself. Right. But that was the pull. That's what he could say. Um, yeah, this movie was brilliant. And I need more. I need more stories. I need more stories by him. Uh, I want to see everything. Oh, and uh, I guess there was a recent article in the LA Times about um, what happens to Frankenstein when you revive it with women in charge. And his story is mentioned. Nice. Uh, but yeah. This movie is brilliant and it's beautiful and I really cannot wait to see more from him. Um, and yeah, and I hope everybody watches this, please. Everybody needs to watch this movie. It was amazing. It's on it Shudder. Um, and Shudder's churn them out, man. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love Shudder originals. I really, really, really do. I've I've been happy with them so far. Um, Seems like I feel like I've really Shudder been, and Tubi are tag team. But I other. immediately needed to watch a comedy after that. Uh, <laughs> I, I ended up watching just, I Care a lot, which was which was kind of inherently a comedy. Oh, I guess I turned <laughs> I turned on Fahim Anwar. Very funny comic. In case anybody's never heard of him, love that guy. That, I turned on him. <laughs> Any, yeah, I anytime heard. I really need comedy, because I'm a big stand-up comedy fan, like when I need something funny, I go I go to my stand-ups. <laughs> I heard a lot of people my stand talking about that movie. I care a lot. It was on Netflix for like three years, I think. <laughs> it's been on Netflix I for have a while. Never, I don't even think I've heard of it. And it was uh, Rosamund Pike being a cunt as usual, because she's good at playing those roles, apparently. And it was really good. I actually thought it was pretty funny. Oh. Oh. Okay. Did you see it? I have just, heard of this. You just have heard. I of have it. heard of it. That's why. I, that's why I went. I've never heard of this, and I went. Wait, I lied. 
Because see, I also <laughs> I'm like the I same lied. thing. I'm like, I have never heard of that. And then as soon as I looked at who was in it, I was like, oh yeah, I have. I'm like, yeah, okay. I got it. Also, she plays a lesbian it. in it, and let's be real. That's nice. we both agreed that we need Rosamund Pike, Pam Key Jensen, and Kate uh, Blanchett. Kate Blanchett to play more villains, please, and thank you. Because I need. I need. Because desperately. We're women loving women, and mm-hmm. sometimes when you see really hot women playing villains, it goes in my spank bank. Yep. <laughs> sure enough, does. Sure. Just now, to be completely honest with you, Rosamund Pike is definitely not a looker for me. I feel like a lot of it's because I'm not attracted to what she looks like. But I am her, attracted to those characters. It's that's her what, confidence. Yes, that's it's, what it is. It's. The comp, it's the character that she plays right. with the way that she plays it. That's what attracts like, me. Like, she's to her. a fucking cunt in Gone Girl, but it's hot. the way she does it. But it was hot. I swear to but God. But it was so hot. Like, I wanted to strangle her and fuck her all at the same time. The fucking, like, there was just a lot. There the were so many emotions. Fucking set up. So many emotions. Of Neil Patrick Harris's character in Gone Girl was enough for me to be like, I. what do you want from me? What do you need? I will go get you some coffee. I will get you. you also, need- um, in case anybody <laughs> wanted to know this or needed to know this, uh, Neil Patrick Harris is on TikTok. And I love that my childhood crush is now a gay cringy dad on TikTok. Um, really it's everything. Is, it's everything. I'm living for it. I saw it and I was like, this was my childhood crush. And now he is a gay cringy dad on TikTok. We love that. I needed it. Love I love it. I love it so much. Also, so, RIP uh, Richard Lewis died today, guys. Not a part of horror, but a great comedic talent. Um, if you, like me, love Mel Brooks, go watch Robin Hood Men in Tights. Probably one of the funniest roles he ever played. Or just some old Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes on HBO Max. But uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. He's a comedy legend. I've been a fan for many years. R.I.P. Uh, Richard Lewis. So just wanted to throw that out there in case anybody didn't know. My husband came home and was like, Richard Lewis died. I was like, ah! <laughs> like, what the fuck? So next week, you guys, we have a special interview episode. Um, a Mr. Gentleman by the name of Chris Shearn reached out to our podcast um and he the, found us from Facebook, guys. I'm loving did. that we are now a part of our podcast is gaining such traction that we are in like Facebook groups and people are actually talking so that people are reaching out to us um, because we're out there. So this this interview, I really think, happened because of the fans. And I thank you. And we're so great. We're just so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, Evil Lurks, not... Not when, when evil lurks, lurks, which I still have not seen, but I will watch it. It's that amazing. Is Shutter. But this is evil lurks, evil lurk, just evil lurks. It, it is, is on, on Tubi. Tubi. Um, and it is really good. We highly recommend, and we say this many times as throughout the interview. This is really a movie you need to watch more than once. Mm-hmm. First time I watched it, I missed a lot because I wasn't paying attention. I had to go back and watch it again, and then I watched it a third time to take notes for the for the interview. Um, but it definitely needs to be watched more than once. Um, it says so much. And I think what I really loved the most about it is it is a movie where five different people can watch it and come away with five different things. Um, I even say that in the interview, mm-hmm. uh, me and, and Casper, and me and Casper even had a different, like when we got to the end of the movie, she 
was like, this is what I thought about it. And I'm like, I could see that, but this is what I thought about it. She's like, oh my God, it was. And Chris even agreed that it was meant to be that type of film Mm -hmm. where everybody Mm -hmm. walked away feeling something different after they watched it and having a different interpretation of it. But in a good way, Mm -hmm. um, it is probably one of the best low budget horror films independent horror films that i've seen in a long time um the concept is really different it and it's really, really is cool. and i've never seen anything like that before which and is i really like too. i really just really really like the way that he really a lot of the the movie doesn't even have a lot of dialogue but it's very it's pretty you gotta watch it more than once but it's pretty good with showing you what it's trying to say and it is actually a really good message it is not a surface movie i'm gonna tell you right now no, it's not a surface not movie. at all you really gotta you gotta it's a thinker it's a thunker you gotta so. watch and you gotta think but it was very well done it was um and our interview with chris was incredible he was the nicest guy he's got other projects coming up so we cannot wait to have him back on friend of the show forever um but yeah please go watch evil lurks on tubi uh to prepare for our interview and it was a really great one mm-hmm. um also real quick if anybody i did make a post to my stories uh there is a frogman festival this weekend in loveland uh the loveland frogman has been a legend for many 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 years and we talked about it briefly and an old guys this is going all the way back to episode 18 our cryptids episode that we did where we briefly talk about frogman um we will be doing a full-length episode at some point uh but finally after all these years somebody made a found footage horror film about the frogman legend which looks really great the trailer looks incredible um and it has been premiering at several film festivals all across the country but this weekend friday and saturday it will be premiering at the frogman festival in loveland um Casper and I will be attending. Uh, this is our first ever film premiere like this, so it's pretty exciting. Um, people that were involved with the film are also going to be there. So uh, if you happen to be in the Loveland area this Saturday, we are only going to the Saturday showing. We will not be going to the Friday showing, but it is the Frogman Festival itself is taking place both Friday and Saturday, but the showings of the film are after the festival that evening. Um So yeah, check it out. Uh, The trailer is out there. If you look for it, you can follow them on social media. Um, I think they sell copies of the film also if you want to watch it because I don't think it's currently streaming anywhere as of yet. No, I think Um, it's the premiere this weekend. So yeah, we're very excited to go see this and talk with the people involved. Um, It's a very cool um, opportunity, I feel like, for us, for sure. You know, it's funny, early going back and listening to that early Cryptids episode, We kind of like dog on Frogman a little bit is kind of like a lame cryptid. Uh, But I think compared, we were like really heavily into Wendigos and Skinwalkers back then. I mean, of course we still are. I was going to say, I'm still um, heavily into Skinwalkers and Wendigos. But we like primarily talk a lot about them and uh, Bigfoot a lot. But um, I always thought Frog, I always thought Frogman would make a perfect movie. Like, and found footage especially. Like, I, I think, I like I think somewhere cryptids. in the back of my head, I feel like somewhere in the back of my head that, like, cryptids especially found make for such great found footage films. But, like, there there are so many fucking Bigfoot ones. Um, 
Now, not knocking it, Willow Creek's the best one, in my opinion, but... Exists um, is the best, in my opinion. Don't, like, there's just... You can you you can use other cryptids besides Bigfoot to make found footage, found footage films. Um, so always in the back of my mind, I was like, even if people think Frogman's lame, like, you could make, like, this could work as a movie. Like, you could do this. And when I saw this trailer, the trailer guys, looks incredible. Oh it my really god! I was getting like, and I know most found fitted found footage you can say this anyway, <laughs> but this one in particular, I was getting heavy Blair Witch vibes. Oh yeah, like heavy. heavy. You can definitely tell that this movie was made by Blair Witch fans, or that's ex- where they got the because the, the from. town, the woods, the yep, whole like the whole thing. It was yeah. It was. I'm. I'm so excited to see this movie, and I'm. I'm. So if you guys happen to to be in town, please come say hi. Please check it out. Um. And like I said, we will be doing a Frogman episode soon. Um. We're definitely going to talk about this movie when it comes out. Oh, for I was streaming. like, didn't we do a Frogman uh, episode? We've never nothing. done one. We've never done one about Frogman. I went through our. I have categorized every episode. We have never done a full length Frogman episode. We talked about him briefly in that cryptids episode, and that is the only time we've ever done one about Frogman. That surprises it's the me. The only time we've ever talked about it. I thought we did. We have Not talked bad. about Sheep Squatch. We have talked about Mothman. We have literally talked about everything, but we have never done one about Frogman. Well, I mean, maybe it was because we were supposed to talk we about haven't the movie. Done a, we haven't done a dog dog one either a dog man dog man one either um i just feel like dog so man is fucking i don't know i i think it's a werewolf too <laughs> i i do too i'm like what's uh, the difference in between we briefly talk about werewolves and the cryptid ones too which was hilarious we did a full-length werewolf episode we did i do remember we did that. do a full yes we did do a full-length werewolves one um just because the lycanthropy thing was pretty interesting but also really quick guys we we have we will we will do a frogman uh yeah, we will definitely do an episode. They are that. doing a Until Dawn movie. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are big gamers or have heard of the game Until Dawn. Until Dawn did Wendigo's Right. Um, Antlers actually also did Wendigo's Right too, but um, there are actual, like, it's moving forward, <coughs> and there are actual rumors that someone from the film is, or from someone from the game is going to return for the film. So I hope they all do. In all reality, I'm like, but then again, my thing is, is I'm like, if they're going to return for the fucking film, what's the difference in just putting all the cutscenes together from the game and watching it as a film than the film? But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) We get what you're trying to say. I just hope they do it justice. Um, I saw the trailer for Borderlands. It looks amazing. I'm a huge Borderlands fan. It's one of my favorite games ever made. Um, and I hope they don't fuck it up because it's going to be good. I really like the trailer. So I'm really excited to see what they do with it. And Eli Roth will be in Horror Hound. Mm-hmm. I am not waiting in his line because now since Borderlands, it's going to be a thousand miles long. So I want to meet Juliet. Anyway, um, <laughs> I want to meet Kate Siegel. Look at us meeting our crushes. That one, gonna... was, that one was part of my sexual awakening, so I kind of need to tell her that. Well, I, I mean, mean, I don't need to, but I'm going to. So I wanted to tell Nev Campbell, but I couldn't because I just. Was if like, I get a chance to, I'm definitely telling her. Or I'm just going to go, ooh. 
You smell nice. And then, yeah, and blow it, and then go, fuck. But that's fine. But I do get to, <laughs> I get to tell Kate Siegel that maybe she wasn't necessarily an awakening for me, but her character, Theo, did help me come out. So, I get to tell her that. I love that character. I think I loved every character she's played. I loved Theo. Though. She's I really fucking hot really though. So the problem is, Theo. is just being able to speak to her without sounding yeah. like an idiot. Yeah. Anyway, that's all, folks. <laughs> all right, guys. So you know we have the socials at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All at DFWTO Podcast uh, handle is DFWTO eighty eight eleven. If you have any questions, concerns, want to say hey, or have any suggestions for the podcast, email us at dfwto8493 at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to follow, subscribe, so you always know when we put new video or new videos, new um, episodes out, we are on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Please give us a follow, give us a subscribe, leave us a review. <laughs> My brain just buffered. Yeah, glitch. It's been, it, it's been glitching for uh, Yes. Please rate and review. They help. We but yeah, so uh, and buy our merch. And buy our merch. And don't forget to watch Evil Lurks on TV so you can prepare for next week's episode. And please watch the angry black girl or the yeah, the angry, angry black, black girl, girl or monster, monster if you haven't yes. yet. Um and happy Black History Month. Yes. Happy Black History Month, everyone. We love you guys so much and thank you for always supporting us and remember. Don't fuck with the original. Bye.